Thank you, Lord. Great are you, Lord. Worthy to be praised. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship your holy name. We come this morning, Lord, in your presence. In your presence where there is fullness of joy, Lord. We come this morning in your presence. Lord, to receive from you this morning. And Lord, we thank you that we have the opportunity to come and praise your most holy name. Worship you. And Lord, thank you that you are with us this morning. As your word promised, as you said, you'll never leave nor forsake us. And that where we gather together in your name, you are there. And so we know this morning, you are here in our presence, in, in, in our midst, Lord. So we reach out this morning, and Lord, we just want to say, Father, just come. And we trust him that he will lead, because that's what we want, isn't it? And uh, so, you know, as I've been listening to John and Dion and and Jared during the prayer time, and uh, I, 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 almost as I prepared, I was sort of thinking, Lord, you know, if I missed the mark, you know, I don't understand. But this morning, he just showed me so clearly how he's taken us on a road. And I just want to quickly, before I just share the message, it's not a long message this morning, but I just want to quickly show you just what the Lord showed me, what he's done, so that we can understand that he's got us here for a reason. And it's not just to come and to listen to nice sermons. So oh, that was a good sermon. But it's something that I believe the Lord's saying, there's a road I'm taking you on. And you've got to get hold of this so you understand what it is I want to do with my people and the church of the living God. For I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is in trouble. And I'm not just talking about the United Kingdom, I'm talking throughout the world. We are in trouble. There's something happening in front of our very eyes that makes us as believers sometimes just get a little bit anxious. And we have to turn back to God. And I believe it's, it's you know, we look out there and we think, God, what are you going to do with the church? Will you pour out your Holy Spirit upon the church? What are you going to do? Is there maybe one of those great preachers in the USA that's going to come here and and breathe revival into this land? Are you going to send another John Wesley? Are you going to send one of these guys? Where are they gone? No. The only way that the Lord's going to work is through His church. Through His living church, through you and through me. And this is why I believe we should never think that a, a little thing like a camp here out at this little place in the Worcester area on a little hilltop is insignificant. But if our hearts are right before God, who knows what he can do? Who knows that the tide can't turn right here and right now if we listen to God? So I've just, interesting this morning, I just the Lord just showed me a little picture. John's been talking about Elijah, hasn't he? And Elijah had a little journey he had to go on. And we've seen this uh, time that he was in, a time of judgment that was proclaimed by Elijah through the, through, 
through, by God through Elijah upon the land and upon Ahab, a wicked guy, married to a not-so-nice lady, who I'm sure you've all heard about, Jezebel. And, 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 and yet God took this man, and then when this uh, uh, judgment started, as we've seen in John's messages, he took him aside. And there he was preparing him. And he went through different stages, didn't he? As God was preparing him, sanctifying him, purifying and refining him for something he had to do. And when I noticed as we, we come together in the prayer meetings in the morning, first we listened to, as Jared just brought us a, a little word out of, out of the book of Haggai. And the Lord spoke to us saying, you, 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 you're building your own little paneled houses. And we saw in that time of, of prayer that the Lord just showed us that, that yes, you, you're looking after your own little house. And it's talking about us as individuals, how we've been individually, we've been focusing on, on, on getting close to God and, and building this, this little paneled house of ours, but saying, but my house is in ruins. And I could just clearly see the picture of these beautiful living stones, some of them so bright, so glorious, filled with the Holy Spirit. But there's one here, there's one there, there's one there. there. It's lying in ruins. And he's saying, what about my house? Remember, Jesus said, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But we got to allow him to build his church. And we get the wrong picture. We think when he says he's building his church, we think that he's going to build our congregations and fill them with people. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the living stones, you and me, that he wants to build and use to build us together against the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ, who Dion spoke about on Sunday, didn't he? And showed us exactly what Jesus was to us, what he did for us, what he meant for us, the price that he paid for us, the chief cornerstone that we can be built into a holy temple for him. Jared shared yesterday in the book of of Habakkuk, and he he read that scripture, and it was so true, it was like he was reading the newspaper about what's going on in the world, all the evil. And it, it says there at one stage, it feels like us as if the evil and the wickedness has surrounded all the righteous people. Doesn't that feel like that today? The wickedness is all around us. And we prayed and he mentioned we need to pray against all this LGBT stuff and all the things that's going on, even in the church today, the sad thing with a, you know, with, with a Methodist church and, and one church off the other capitulating and giving into all this Nonsense that's going on in the world. And we prayed about it. And this morning, as he felt this morning, there was a, a difficulty in getting the message, yet the God is never unfaithful. He always comes through. In the last minute, he gives us message in Sacred Chronicles, if my people, if my people. And he was saying, look, problem is in the world there, but I can do nothing. Where I'm going to work is in my people. It's in my people. He's waiting for you and for me. We're waiting for the world to change. No, 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 no. God's waiting for us to change. The world will never change. It's us that has to change. It's the church of the living God that has to change. We, the world won't change. They don't know. We do. 
And he's saying, if my people, if my people will come. And the, you know, the marvelous thing is that he says in Second Chronicles 7.15, he says this, he says, now my eyes. This is what God says. He says, if my people will come and humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear. And then he says the next verse, he says, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer made where? In this place. Right here. Right here. He's waiting. You and me. What will we do? Functioning properly. Then we're in trouble. And the world is in trouble. So I was just amazed to see how God's bringing everything together. And then we go back to Elijah. What was God preparing him for? To do what? To face who? Baal. The ultimate test to face the world. And I want to say this morning is Elijah did seem back. Face to face. Bring you bring him on. I will show you my God lives. I will show you who the living God is. And I want to ask you this morning, can the church of God say that to the world today? Can we challenge the world today and say, come on, we will show you that my God lives. Do we have that faith? I believe that's where God is taking us. That's where God is journeying. He's busy taking us on over these few days that we are. So this morning I want to continue. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, it's Jesus preaching. And you know what, what, you know, what brother preacher can we ever listen to than Jesus Christ, the Son of Man? Matthew chapter 5, from verse 1 through to 16. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and when he was seated, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. And then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are, when we, are you when you are reviled and, and they persecute you and say all kinds of evil and false things uh, against you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. <coughs> for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. 
You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives its light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. May God bless his work. A few weeks ago, I spoke to Three Mile Cross about living waters. You know, Jesus gave us in John chapter 4 and John chapter 7, he gave an invitation. He said, if you thirst, come to me I would, and I'll give you waters. He spoke to the woman at the well in John chapter 4, and he said to the water that I will give you if you drink thereof, you'll never thirst again. Remember that? And then in John chapter 7, in, in, in verse 37, it says this. It says, and on the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out. And he said, anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit that those believing him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not given because he was not yet glorified. There was an invitation from Jesus to come and drink of this living waters, but he, he said those who what? Thirst. Those who thirst. And we, we spoke about being thirsty. And we said, you know, if you're not thirsty and uh, you drink a glass of water, the only thing that happens is your tummy wobbles and it feels uncomfortable. Nothing else happens. But if you're really, really thirsty, nothing helps. If you're really in the point of the desert and you thirst and you thirst and you thirst, it doesn't matter whether someone comes and gives you a pot of gold or a million dollars. It means nothing. You need water. You need that thirst quenched. And that's the thirst Jesus was talking about. If you are thirsty, come to me and I'll give you. And rivers of living waters will flow out of your innermost being. But we need to be thirsty. And I believe... Unfortunately, most of the church today has lost their thirst. They're not really thirsty. You see, the problem is, I think, too many times that uh, we're satisfied, we've become complacent. We just, it's okay where we are. I'm happy with my church. I like my pastor. I like my worship team. I like coming to church. I like the people that I go with. And I'm happy where I am. I'm not thirsty. And if you're not thirsty, he can't give you the living water to drink. You've got to thirst for it. You see, we want to see a move of God's Holy Spirit like never before. And this is the time that I believe more than ever we desperately, desperately need God's Spirit to be poured out upon us once again. Like never before. There's never been a time that we need it more. We want to see the world change. Wouldn't you like to see governments <coughs> In this time of this pandemic, where it just seems to be going around and around like a whirlwind, turn around and say, we need to call upon God to help. But it doesn't happen. They say we will be led by science and our knowledge. How desperately we need them to come and say, please, let's pray. Let's get together and call upon God. Because this thing just seems to be going around all over the place. It's in the world. It's this virus keeps going. And then it <coughs> seems the one victory. And then the next one comes. And the next. And then we see earthquakes. And we see 
floods like never before sweeping over Europe, one country of the other. <coughs> now we're seeing fires ravaging one country to another. We see extreme heat waves where temperatures are broken, not by half or one degree, but by five, six, seven degrees. Unbelievable, the thing that's happening in the world in front of our very eyes, and it doesn't seem to stop. It just goes around and around. And there's two portions of Scripture in both Jeremiah 23 and Jeremiah 30, where the Bible talks about a whirlwind. And uh, if you want to see it in Jeremiah 23, verse 19. Jeremiah 23, verse 19, if you want to have a look there quickly. Um, it talks about this whirlwind. Jeremiah 13 verse 23 verse 19 says, Behold, a whirlwind of the Lord has gone forth in fury, a violent whirlwind, and it will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and performed the thoughts of his hearts. And then it says, In the latter days you will understand it perfectly. Then if you flip over to Jeremiah 30, you see almost the same thing again. Jeremiah 30 and verse 23. <clears throat> it says this. Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord goes forth with fury. A continuing whirlwind. It will fall violently on the head of the wicked. The fierce anger of the Lord will not return until it is done. And until he ends of his heart in the latter days. You will consider it. Isn't that exactly what's happening today? Isn't this thing and these things that are going on ravaging throughout the world just like a whirlwind? It's just like it will not stop. It won't cease. It just keeps going on and on as we see all these calamities. And the Bible says in both those scriptures, it'll happen until what? Until he... Achieves the intents or the thoughts of his heart until he achieves the intents of his heart. What is the intent of God's heart? Why is he doing this? Why is he allowing this to happen? What is his heart? What is his thought? What is the intent of his heart? Well, what is the most famous word uh, uh, quoted scripture in the Bible? John 3.16, isn't it? That's the intent of God's heart. For God so loved this horrible world we're living in right now that he gave his only begotten son, the one Jesus, uh, Dion spoke about yesterday, explaining exactly what he went through. That he gave his only begotten son so that the two of you will be saved. So that all who believe in him shall be saved. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Notice that. The world through him might be saved. He paved the way. Then he went back to the Father and he sent his spirit. Where? Where is the spirit of God? So how is the world to be saved? How's the world to be saved? Did you get it? He's paid the price. He sent his son. Then he sent his spirit into his church to equip them so that the world may be saved. And we sit waiting on the world. No. 
The church of God has to wake up and become alive and realize who we are. We're the ones that he's called upon to fill with his spirit to push back against the enemy. That's the only way it'll happen. God prepared Elijah and set him aside and did great things for him. But it was tough. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Elijah didn't go sit at the brook and and have life easy. Initially, it was okay. He just sat there and God fed him. But then God upped the ante a little bit and made it more and more difficult for him. Because God had something for him to do. He had to face Baal face on. He had to take him on to show him and show who? Everyone in the world that day. Who God is. The world today thinks God is dead. The world today either thinks he's dead, he doesn't care, or he doesn't exist. That's the truth. I think they teach you that universities. God doesn't exist. Right? That's what they teach you. That's what they teach us kids at school. This is why we're so grateful that we can send kids to Christian schools to teach them the truth. Because in reality, they don't teach them that in the school. They teach them that's a lot of nonsense. That's a lot of nonsense. It's just stories. Just religion. God doesn't exist. Wow. God doesn't want anyone to be lost. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3 verse 9 that God is not slack concerning his promise of coming back again. But he is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. 1 Timothy 2 verse 3 and 4 says, For good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved. All men to be saved and come to the knowledge. You see, that's the intent of God's heart. That all men be saved. That's his intent. That's why there's a whirlwind raging. He's got to get the attention of someone. Someone has to do something. And God will persist and keep on doing until he's achieved the intents of his heart. And all the world sees out of this whirlwind is calamity. And you know what happens when, when, when earthquakes strike, you know, it, 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 these things happen. We don't even notice them anymore. But when earthquake strikes or tsunami strike or, or COVID strikes and millions of people die, the only question they ask is, where is your God? You heard that? Where is this loving God of yours? Why did he allow that? The more they ask. The more calamities that strikes, the, 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 the worse things get. We don't see the world turning back to him. That's what we desire for them to see. But they don't. Maybe it's gone back to what Jared read this morning. If my people... Because he says, if I will, I will withhold the rain. That's another scripture we heard this week. I will withhold the rain. In the time of, of Elijah, it was God that stopped the rain. It was God that stopped the rain. And we so often want to say this is because of uh, 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 it's Satan or it's the devil. It's often God that stops the rain for a reason. He's trying to get someone's attention. And the world doesn't really see that. Somebody has to do something. Somebody has got to step up and say, here am I. 
But you know, we wait for that great evangelist to come over. Or we wait for that great anointed preacher to come over. You know, that guy that's maybe on TV that, you know, has a million and something followers. We wait maybe for him to come over. And surely something will happen. I often read in the Bible that one man, one man stands up and prays. One man stands up and prays. Is it Isaiah that said, and the Lord said, whom shall I send? He said, here am I. Send me. Send me. It's fine. Just one person. One person can stand up and approach the throne of God. You see, the world cannot. The world cannot. When Jesus died on the cross, blood paid for and I'm sure everyone here today I trust and believe and hope and if not then I trust you will come afterwards have received Jesus Christ as your saviour just Jesus uh, John <coughs> sorry Dion explained yesterday how he died on the cross for us the price that he paid but when he died on that cross something else happened remember the veil was torn in two isn't it then we read later on the Bible that because of that, that veil that has been ripped into, we can now boldly access the throne of God. We have the authority to do that because we've been washed by the blood. If we weren't washed by the blood and you try to get into the throne room of God, you will be finished. That's it. You just have to look at the Old Testament and see what happened if the high priest tried to go in and he made one inkling of a mistake. Was there. They used to tie a rope around him, wasn't it, John? Tie a rope around him when he went into the holy place. Why? Because if he'd done something wrong, he would drop dead. And someone you couldn't just walk in and bring the guy out because the minute you stepped in, you were dead. Remember what happened in David's time when when he tried to get the the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem? And they put it on a very fancy high priced ark, you know, a brand new cart. He thought he was impressing God. Had this lovely ark and all these people in front singing and what seemed to be the right thing to do. But when the ark wobbled, one of the guys went and stopped and tried to catch the ark and he was dead. And dad even got angry and he said, come on, I was just trying to protect your ark that didn't fall off. God's a holy God. We cannot just come into his presence and into his throne, but he's made a way through his precious son, Jesus Christ, the one who was Battered and beaten, as we saw yesterday in Isaiah uh, 52 and 53. He made that way and he opened the way so we can come boldly to the throne. How is the world going to come boldly to the throne? They can't. The only people that can do that and approach God, he says, come boldly to the throne so that you can do what? You can obtain mercy and grace in time of need. I think we're in time of need. I think we're in time of need. But it's only you and me that can come before the throne of God. It's only you and me because of the blood washed. Uh, our sins are washed away by the blood of the Lamb. It's up to us. We've got to get there. You see, we desire for our, our government and our, 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 our prime minister and our queen and our king to turn back to God and uh, cry out in these days and say, please, why don't you pray? You know, there's, there's a scripture in, in 1 Kings 30. A guy's name is King Jerobiam. Uh, 
And uh, at one stage, he, he gets angry at the man of God, and he's standing at the altar, and, and he wants to go and arrest this man. And as he reaches his hand out, God withers his hands instantly as he tries to take this man. And he withers his hand instantly. But you know what he does? In, in 1 Kings 13, verse 6, the king turns around, <coughs> and he says to the man of God, Entreat the favor of the Lord your God, and pray for me that my hand may be restored. And I remember King Nebuchadnezzar, he was at that time the most powerful man on the planet. This was a powerful king. You know, I think, Jared, you mentioned it as well, that, 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 that King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, there was no authority on earth higher than him. He was the one. If he made the laws, that were the laws. And he made these laws. <coughs> no. And he had a hardened heart. He, had a very, he must have been a very, very proud man. I can't really blame the guy. There was, you know, everyone, whatever he said would happen. If it didn't happen, off was your head. Simple as that. Everyone feared him. And yet, this King Nebuchadnezzar, how powerful he was when he took three young men, put them in a fiery furnace. <laughs> Whoa. He saw something. He saw something take place in those three young men. And when they came out of that fire, fiery furnace, this is what he says. He says, blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's words and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. And he turns around and he says, Therefore I make a decree that any people and nation or language that speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. Their houses shall be made a heap of ash because there is no other God that can deliver like this. Wouldn't we love it if Boris Johnson stood up and says, I'm telling you, if you ever speak against the Christian church, I will have you put in prison. If you ever raise your voice against the God of Abraham, Jacob and Isaac, I will lock you up. You will never. Imagine that. Will it happen then? You think it can happen now? It can happen if the church is the true church of God. <coughs> this is not an army that impressed Nebuchadnezzar. The armies were afraid of him. These are three young men. Three young men. All they did is they feared God more than Nebuchadnezzar. All they did is they feared God more than Nebuchadnezzar. They just said, listen, man, we'll go into that fire, but rather I'll go and burn them in. I know my God's able to protect me in my fire, but I'd rather go in there and die. But worship that thing. Worship that thing you've put up there. No worries. Send me in. No problem. That was it. They simply feared God more than they feared him. They didn't fear the fiery furnace. They didn't want to go in there. They didn't desire to go in the fiery furnace. But if it was that, or denying God, oh man. They knew that fiery furnace, they could go in. Yep, they'd probably get stringed and die within an instant. But for all eternity, they'll be with him. But deny God, the chances are they'll face hellfire. Not for a little while, but for all eternity. And that's why. That's why. 
But unfortunately today we don't see that happening. We don't see governments turning to the church anymore and saying, we've got a problem. We don't know how to get rid of this virus. Don't you want to pray to your God? Don't you want to pray to your God that he will deliver us from this or give us wisdom out of this? Why don't they do that? Why don't they do that? Whose fault is it? Is it their fault? No. It's the church's fault. You see, the church has lost its flavor. The church has lost its flavor. And Jesus said himself in the scripture that we read, you are the, the salt and the light of the earth, didn't he? But he says, if the salt loses flavor, what good is it for anything? Except to be thrown out and let man walk out of it. That's exactly what's happened to the church. It's been thrown out there. It's been trampled on all over the world. The church holds nothing for them. They see nothing in the church that brings a desire for them to call upon the church. They don't see the church operating in power and in might and in any form as what it used to operate in the early church. In the early church, when the church was born, after Jesus Christ pulled the Holy Spirit upon, upon his people, they were afraid of the church because they saw what was happening. So what did they do? They persecuted the church. They hunted them down to try and close them down. And in actual fact, all that happened made them stronger and stronger and stronger. Because they saw the power that there was in them. Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 6, he said, Blessed are those who what? Who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And I believe we've lost that hunger. You see, we fail. I think that's the problem. Most of us Christians today are failed. We fail. You can YouTube, you can pick up your phone and you can listen to any message you want. As much as you want. We feel. I've got nothing to do. I can, you know, I can just turn on the TV and, 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 and listen to some guy, my favorite preacher or whoever it is, and I get something and I feel. Jesus said there's got to be a hunger and a thirst for what? For righteousness. For righteousness. We cannot take on Baal unless we go the same road as Elijah went. It's the only way. It's the only way. We've got to let God prepare us and didn't make it easy. As John mentioned, was yesterday when he came to the widow. And uh, initially it started off just with a little bit of a food problem because of the issues in the land. The curse that Elijah knew full well that he, he didn't bring it. God brought it, but through him. Upon the land. But then it got worse. It turned into death. Someone dying. Pretty much feels like where we are now. It's got so bad that it's almost as if the very life that's left within the body of Christ has died. Well, did Elijah give up? No. No. He went and laid prostrate over that young boy. Three times. He said, God. How allow this to happen? Let his soul go back into his body. And God did. We need to be prostrate before the living God and say, God, this is your church. This is your living church. You can't allow it to die. 
We will lie prostrate upon the body of your church and pray that you bring the soul, the Holy Spirit, back into your church again, that it will rise up and be what you commanded it to be, salt and light to the world. You see, salt doesn't just add flavor, it makes you thirsty. Ask us South Africans that eat bultong. <laughs> it makes you thirsty. It's good, but it makes you thirsty. And so if we salt to the world, we should be making them thirsty, man. And I've mentioned that many times. You know that famous old saying that you can take a horse to the water, but you can't make a drink? Well, as they say, the trick is don't, make, don't take him to the water and make him drink. Make him thirsty. Give him some salt. He'll go find the water. And that's why he says be light. So when they get thirsty, you can shine your light that they know where to go. But there's no desire left in that. You know, in that scripture we, I mentioned in, in, in Jeremiah 23 and verse 30, there were two, twice, it says the same thing. It talks about, it, it gives uh, this whirlwind that's raging across the world, and then it says this like it's just dropped in there, in the latter days. You will understand it perfectly. In, 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 in Jeremiah 30, 24, it says, in the latter days you will consider it. And I was wondering, Lord, why did you slip that in there? We know these, these often prophecies that sometimes they're far ahead, sometimes they're now, sometimes they're here and far ahead. That's the way God worked through, through his prophet in those age, in those times. And Jeremiah wasn't exactly a popular prophet because um, Jeremiah didn't, you know, he wasn't, I wouldn't call him a people-friendly preacher, you know. He didn't preach wealth and, you know, all the stuff that many people love to hear. Jeremiah preached warning upon warning upon warning. But then he says something like this. He, he talks about these days, and I, and, and, and I wonder, you know, by my reckoning, if I read the word of God correctly, we're probably in the latter days. Because the Bible tells me in Second Timothy 3, verse 1 to 5, you know that well description, in the last days, what will happen? Peerless times will come, isn't it? And it says, because people will be lovers of themselves, money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, benign its power. That sounds exactly like now. Now that's the Bible's description of the last days. And if that doesn't convince you, what did Jesus say? When his disciples asked him, so when will all this stuff happen that you say? When are you going to come back? When's the last? When's the end? When will it all happen? And then he gives them all the signs we're all so familiar of, isn't it, in Matthew chapter 24, when he talks about the wars and the rumors of wars, the famines, the pestilences, you know, the COVIDs, the earthquakes, all that kind of stuff. And he gives them, and we all know it. The church knows it. We're used to it. We're complacent. We don't even realize it anymore. It's just like, just over us. Do we know that even in 2021, I just checked it out before I came, nine and a half thousand earthquakes just this year alone. Nine and a half. I'm talking little Mickey Mouse earthquakes, earthquakes above five on the Richter scale. These are huge earthquakes. Nine and a half thousand just in this year. We don't even realize that anymore. He talks about wars and rumors of war. There are 40 active wars right now in this moment, in this time, on this planet. But you see, we become complacent. The church of God just sits 
and doesn't realize when these things happen, these are warnings for us to realize. But then Jesus says something remarkable. Even when he, before he talks about all these wars, the very first thing he says when they ask him, what is the sign when the end will be? What is the sign? The first thing he says is this in Matthew 24, verse 4. He, said, he answered them and said, take heed. In other words, watch out. Watch out that no one deceives you. And then he says, why does he say that? He says, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Now, many, when we read that, we think that it's someone that's going to say, I am Jesus. So I've heard of one or two that have become some loony that's become he's Jesus. And I don't think anyone's taken him pretty seriously. A few crazy people have. But certainly no one in the church has taken anyone seriously that says, I am the Christ. So that, you know, but if we take, what does the Christ mean? Anyone know Christ? The anointed one. And if I read that to you now and say, for many will come in in my name saying, I am the anointed one. You heard that before. I am anointed. It's the anointing. It's the anointing of God. I'm telling you, it's the anointing of God. And what I'm telling you now comes from him. Have you heard that before? I've heard that many times. Many, many times. That's what he's warning about the last days. And remember those scriptures in Jeremiah 23 and verse 30. He's talking about these whirlwind coming. <coughs> and in the latter days, you will understand it. In the last days, you will understand this whirlwind that's going around. And in Jeremiah 23, you get the actual context of why God really is angry. And in 23 verse 16, it tells you why. If you want to have a look at it, Jeremiah 23 verse 16. You will see why God was so angry at Jeremiah. And then remember that in context of the last days. In Jeremiah 23, verse 16, he says this, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, (coughs) Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you. They make you worthless. They speak wisdom of their own heart, not from the mouth of the Lord. They continually say to those who despise me, The Lord has said you will have peace. And to everyone who walks according to the dictates of his own heart, they say, no evil shall come upon you. That sounds like a people-friendly church to me. You know, it's all going to be okay, man. Don't worry about it. This gay thing, don't let it bother you. It's okay. The church will accept you. It's fine. I've heard a lot of false prophecies over this last year or two, have you? I've heard many. Many anointed ones saying the Lord has showed them Donald Trump's going to be president. The Lord showed them COVID is going to come and disappear. They've even commanded it to go, but it hasn't. You understand what, 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 what what I'm trying to share with you this morning? And put it in context with everything you've heard. God is is a wake-up call for us. He's trying to get our attention and tell us there's only one hope left, and that's you and me. There's only one hope left, that's the church of the living God. But we've got a hunger and thirst for righteousness. It's got to be there. We cannot sit with full tummies. We've got to get hungry. 
We got to get to the point where we cry out unto him, Lord, we need you now. We need your Holy Spirit now. You see, the message of Jeremiah wasn't popular because it was a message of judgment. It was a message telling them that the Lord is angry. But the church today wants to be people friendly and tell people it's okay. It's going to be fine. Nothing's wrong. Don't worry. There's something seriously wrong. There's something seriously wrong in the world today. No one cares about the church anymore. The church today is pomp and ceremony. It's a religious thing. It's a building. You know the scripture that Jared mentioned, I think it was Habakkuk Jared, where it talks about that the enemy will come in and they will habitate houses and places that were not meant for them. They weren't for them. Have you noticed in this country what's happened? Have you noticed in this land where the gospel was preached from, this land that took the gospel out to virtually every nation, including the place I come from, and went out and sent their people out there to proclaim the word of God, even nations like America, every continent throughout the world, it's it people out. What's happening in this nation? Have you noticed that there are people coming into this nation that don't belong here? They come from the Middle East. Have you noticed what they have brought with them and put on the land in this land? Where the churches used to stand, what stands there now? They're mosques. There's not a town in this country, I don't think, left that doesn't have a mosque in it. Who's to blame? Is it the world? Or is it the church that has died? It is the church. When we were called to this country many years ago, in 2006, one of the things the Lord clearly showed me, he said, this nation is so precious to him. Don't ever forget it. That this nation, specifically England, I'm talking about the United Kingdom, is so precious to him, he showed me it's his prodigal son. It's his prodigal son. Because this nation was so close to him, it was in his house. But they asked to go out. They asked to leave. Now this nation didn't turn to other gods. They just left their God. They just walked out of their father's house. And so they're out there in the world right now. But he showed me, I want this nation back to me. Just as the prodigal son came back to his father, I'm calling this nation back to me. No strings attached. That was the one word he had. Nothing. Don't come back to God because of the glory on everything you're going to get out of it. Come to him just as the prodigal son came to his father and said, I've sinned. I'm willing to come back to you as a servant in your house. That's what he's waiting for. And God showed me that this nation is that prodigal son. And I believe that God's going to do something, but the church needs to rise up. The church needs to rise up. It's not going to depend on the world. If we're waiting for the world to change, it will never change. We're waiting for some miracle preacher to come here and preach again like the Wesleys and, 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 and you know, the Spurgeons and, and even, even the Wigglesmiths of not so long ago. These guys were powerful men of God, but they've gone. 
gone even recently. People like Pawson and guys that we love so close to the word, they're all gone. God's taken them home. But he has us here. He has us. And we think, who am I? Who am I? God says, who can I send? God says, who can I send? How do we get that first? How do we get that? It's so hard. It's, it's, I want to say it's almost easier for a sinner to come. It is, I believe. It's easier for a sinner to come to repentance. Because it's easy for him. When he comes and he sees the light, he sees his life. Didn't that happen to you when you were born again? You suddenly realized I'm a sinner. And you realized I'm lost, man. And you accepted Jesus into your life. And everything changed. And you became a new creature. The grass was greener, the sun was brighter, the flowers were prettier. Everything changed. Because he had done something in your heart. But it's so hard for a Christian who is full to be hungry. It's so hard for a Christian who receives drink every day to be thirsty. So how do we do that? How do we do? How do we get to that point where we are hunger for that righteousness? Where we thirst for him? How do we do that? I believe there's only one way, and that's absolute surrender unto him. I'm talking absolute surrender unto him. And I'm going to stop there because that's where I'm going to pick it up tomorrow. If that's okay. But pray today. I pray that God will show each and every one of you. Don't. I, I just feel this is so important. The whole week that we've been here, and God's taken it in a direction. I just see. Can you see the picture? You see the picture of John's message? Can you see the picture of what Jared has brought, even when he thinks, I've got nothing to share? Can you see what God's done? Can you see the picture when Dion, in the middle, puts Jesus? Because that's what it's about. He's equipped us. He's given us the authority. He gave it to his church. He said, in my name. In my name. I'm giving you the authority. Use my name. But the church has lost its flavor. It's lost its flavor. It's lost its power. It's not in the position to go and face Baal yet. But he's making us ready. He's making us ready. <laughs> and it's tough. It's tough. Remember the message of Elijah. But remember who's in the middle. It's Elijah, Jesus, right? Dio mentioned it yesterday. When he was transfigured, who was with him? Yeah. You see that? You see this picture that God's showing us? He's getting us ready. Don't for one moment think I'm not worthy. Don't for one moment think, oh, it can't be me. I'm useless. I'm too old. I'm too weak. I'm too thin. I'm too whatever. It's the same power. It's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives where? In us. In us. Now, please, if the same spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead Jesus, the son of the living God, now lives in us and nothing happens, something is wrong. You agree? 
something is wrong. And I don't think the fault lies with God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit. I do not believe the Holy Spirit has lost its power. Sensationalists believe it was only for that time. Well, then something went wrong with the Holy Spirit because... According to me, if God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever, and Jesus says, I am the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever, and the Bible says God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, these three are one, then it stands to reason that the Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. Right? He didn't go flat somewhere along the line and lose his power. The church lost its power because it's lost its flavor. And we need to seek God and say, Lord, what is it you want me to do? And I want uh, my appeal to you today is I, I wanted to, to make an altar call today, but I, I feel in my spirit what I must ask you to do today is honestly in the time that you have between today and tomorrow, we talk about absolute surrender tomorrow, is ask, send this from you. If it isn't, throw it away. Please do. If it's not from you, if it's just words from me, I'm nothing, I'm nobody. I'm not even a preacher or whatever you want to call it. I'm just... I just, I always say I'm just a delivery boy. I just deliver a message God lays in my heart. That's it. So if this is not for you, if you believe this is not from God, then throw it away, tear it up, and burn it. But if you feel God is just tugged on your heart this morning, maybe just a, a little flicker saying, maybe God really can do something if I listen. Maybe God really can do something if I obey, if I'm willing. Then pray about it tonight and then consider this. It's going to cost not nothing. Salvation costs nothing, right? Salvation costs nothing. It's free. It's the grace of God. It's the gift of God. Sent his son. You can get saved. But when we come to this, it costs everything. 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 We have to surrender all. And I believe that's where God's going to take us. Because I believe he's going to get us to face ball. He's going to get us to face ball. We cannot wait for the American preacher to come. We can't wait for some guy, I don't know, from Russia or some obscure place to come. It's his church that's going to do it. May God bless you. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. And I just pray this, that you help us, please, Lord, to see your word. And Lord, I said, I've just tried to deliver what you laid upon my heart. And Lord, as I just see this picture which you've, you've, you so preciously have pulled together for us. Us, sitting here this morning. And Lord, we, we want to flow with you, not against you. We want to move with your spirit. We don't want to hinder your spirit in any way. So Father, if there's anything that said is not of you, blotted out the they never forget, never even remember. But everything that is of you, I ask that it burns within their heart today. And Lord, that we prepare ourselves to see, Lord, what you want to do in us. We are willing, Lord. We want to be willing, but we realize it's going to cost us. It is going to cost us, but we do realize if we don't do anything, then this world is in serious trouble, Lord. And Lord, as your prophets of old came and cried out for their nations and for their people, we want to be those people. We want to be your church that cries out for this world, we ask. Help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
May God bless you. And uh, we'll see you later. Amen. Amen.